everybody. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Up? Good morning. I like to see right off the bat, he's already, oh, he's like, I'm here for an interview. Hey, what's up? K105. He's using his, uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 so this, this is Andrew. This is my good buddy, Andrew Lantos. He is a, uh, he's a teacher extraordinaire. He's teaching up the, uh, the, the youth in the public school system here. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've known him for a while. You're a smart guy. I was telling everybody before you came in. <laughs> You've been telling everybody I'm a smart guy. Well, it's the only Thanks, compliment man. you're going to get in this entire thing. So let, let me give it to you. Thank so you. So I know that you you have like three or so degrees, and I believe you speak like five languages. Is that true? Well, I mean, you're don't give me a little bit. Okay. Well, well how do, many, do you want me to do like a quick bio no, or something? No, because no? you're, you're quick right. and my quick are very different. We don't have time for this bio. <laughs> I have two degrees. <laughs> okay. I went to Teachers College, Columbia University, right. before relocating down here. Uh huh. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my father was from Hungary. I speak Hungarian. Hang on, let me, because I told everybody you speak English, Hungarian, French, Did you have Spanish. to say English, though? Did we know that already? Well, the, shut up. Um, Spanish and Ger- German. Well, we were in yeah, Austria, so. Yeah. But, I mean, Spanish and German, I don't really speak them that well. Just, like, I can go order things and get around. Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> anyway. Was? Um But... We brought you in because I think you have a very interesting perspective right now about everything going on, right? So you're a teacher. You teach in a major school system, which we're going to avoid addressing because we, yeah. we don't want you being labeled as like the voice of the school system. But yeah. you and I have had all these conversations, right? I have school-age kids. Mark, you have school-age kids. You teach kids. Um, education during COVID is super interesting, right? So Interesting is one word for it, sure. I'm sure you have another word, right? But yeah. like... So, I mean, I'm interested. Take us through the first thought process, process last year when COVID hit. Yep. Like, what was your initial thought pertaining to education? Um, well, when COVID hit, you know, I mean, I think we were talking about it. Like, right. Rachel and I were pretty aware of it because it was hitting in Europe before here. Right. And so our friends in Vienna were like, hey, this is coming and y'all need to take it seriously. And to be honest, my first thoughts about COVID when I was in the school, even like a week up the week before everything you shut st- down. You were still physically in school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like everything shut down. My last day was March 13th, 2020. Okay. So the week before that, my thoughts were completely about my safety, to right. be honest. I wasn't really thinking a lot about education at that point. I was more worried about... Um, I just didn't feel like they were taking it seriously. I didn't feel like people were taking it seriously. I would even had to have a conversation with the principal, like just an aside and be like, Hey, um, you know, what's going on here? Because I, I, I'm not really sure that the cleaning is being done. Like I'm not, someone just sent a child in and they're coughing and they're like, yeah, I've been home with a fever and coughing for a few days and they're back in my classroom. I mean, so it was all about like safety for myself. Did you think they weren't taking it serious just because people didn't really know? I mean, I remember that time, like I, I remember traveling that week. I mean, March, I remember I was gone coming back to Maryland, March 14th. So I remember like traveling I remember it was in, we had a case in New York at that time, but I still remember like being like, uh, yeah, it was low yeah. single digits. I yeah. Mean, like, you know, and, like, and this is not a political podcast, right. but the information we were getting was yeah, sporadic and right. skewed. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, first of all, who's sending their kid to school, regardless of global pandemic when they're coughing and they got a fever for three days like that. Amen. There's some personal responsibility there. Yeah. Um, but so, do you, I mean, do you think that like people weren't taking it serious because it was more like ignorance or do you think people weren't taking it serious because they were being dismissive of it? Probably a little both. Okay. I mean, I think there, I think there was a lot more information coming out 
of Europe, mm-hmm. and you know our friends seemed much better informed about right. it and what they were telling us. But yeah, I mean it's a new, you know, without going too deep into this because like obviously I'm not a medical professional, right. I'm yeah, not an epidemiologist, right. but it's a new disease, so it's always like a work in progress. But right. when something's new like that, shouldn't you err on the side of cautious? Caution, you mean? Caution. Yeah. Yeah. Five languages, huh? Five yeah. languages. You can't figure out the present. <laughs> yeah, use the Well, you put English first. first. Yeah, Maybe I true, would yeah. enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so interesting. Okay, so COVID first hit. And I mean, so would you describe that you kind of like, so you, you kind of went way more on the, the cautious side than you thought the administration did. Is that fair to say or no? I was Just ready. I was ready to be out of the school. You were ready to be done. Yeah. I mean, I was ready like a week. I mean, in all fairness, like a week or two after I was ready, we were right. done. We yeah, were that's home. true. Yeah. So okay. it wasn't like that long. It's not like I was there for months. Right. And, and, and kind of <clears> like briefly, like I don't want to harp on it too much because, you know, there's. No, I don't believe there's any way it can be. It can be done well. But like, just describe to us, like the from a teacher's point of view, the process of virtual learning, like. Sure. Go through like the daily routine of that, the the rigor, the lack of rigor, the pluses, the minuses. Just give us a little bit of insight onto that. Sure. So um, we went, let me just go back to your original question, yeah. which was like, what was your perspective on education right. in COVID when this all first went down? So we stopped in-person learning March 13th of last year. And then we had a couple of weeks where we, w- we were not giving any instruction. And in fact, when we left the school building, it was kind of like, well, we might see you in a few weeks. And most of us were like, that seems pretty unlikely. But they're like, right now, we're just stopping for a few weeks and we'll reassess. And then over those next couple of weeks, that's when they started rolling out this whole new curriculum style. Mm-hmm. So one of the really um, kind of challenging things about uh, all this whole transition with with regards to teaching is that I had been learning a new style of teaching over the past five years because many administrators now, they don't want like, like a sage on this. They say no state sage on the stage. Mm -hmm. They want student centered learning. So they want students to be actively involved. They want kind of students showing students how to do things, a lot of student modeling. So that's already a different style of teaching than maybe what I grew up with and what I had done earlier in my career. Right. And then when we transitioned to this at home, now it was like, okay, now we're all virtual and it reverted very much back to like the sage on the stage. Gotcha. So let me know if I'm like straying too far from your original question, but it's kind of like now all of a sudden the teacher was the main focus again and I didn't see any of my students and many of my students like, for how much people think these these generations are like the mm-hmm. computer generations, they're good with cell phones. And I right. would argue as a computer science teacher, I would argue they're good with very limited functionality on the cell phones. Yeah. But when it comes to actually using computers and doing basics like uploading files, downloading files, right. installing programs virtually, like all of these things, it is a mess. And so to try to manage, like the managing of these kinds of things became like, 1,000 times more challenging. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, my so my daughter's in third grade. And so she's still, she's grown up with gadgets and technology, but there is still a certain level of, you know, she'll get to the end of the day and thinking that she submitted an assignment online. And we'll get an email from her teacher on Friday, like, hey, she's missing 
mm-hmm. four things. Well, I did it. I did it. And she's adamant that she did it. And mm-hmm. I'm sure like sometimes you know, she's a kid. And sometimes you, you know that there are these issues coming up because the school's figuring it out mm-hmm. as we go. Um, sort of the same way parents were at home. Do you, do you remember any pushback initially when, when you all went all virtual from like parents? Was there any major issue getting everybody on board or was it a pretty easily, I know they didn't have a choice to adapt to it, but yeah, I don't really remember any pushback per se. Like no parents were reaching out to me and saying like, I hate this. This is horrible. But I'm not really the person that they would necessarily, they com- they complain to me about their children's grades or if their children are, you know, not performing well right. or if, you know, there's a some kind of dis- disagreement. But right. no, I didn't, I didn't get any pushback personally. Um, how, like, I know just knowing you and like being friends with you, I know you actually like, you actually spend time with your, like your lesson plans and things like that. How different was it like preparing to teach virtually than in a classroom? Yeah, I mean, that's the main thing. It was a a massive paradigm shift. So it went from having everything planned out in classroom, Mm -hmm. and I I still used paper every once in a while. You know, I would find, like, a lot of my lessons teaching engineering and um, more so engineering, it's very hands-on, project-based, and that we have materials in the classroom. So trying to figure out how to continue my... My thing was I wanted to try to continue to give that curriculum as as much as I could, like with fidelity. Mm-hmm. But you know, how do you get materials out, or how do you create projects with materials that are more accessible for some students to use? But it was a major paradigm shift because now everything had to be online. So they would send out um, like guidelines to us, and they would say, "Okay, every lesson should have like an intro." And oh, and they wanted to really work in SEL. SELs become like the really big what's, what's SEL? social emotional learning. Okay, I mean, basically, what I understand it to be is like like a check in every day, like being more human with mm-hmm. the students instead of just being like, "All right, welcome. Today's agenda is this, and you're going to have to do X, Y, Z, and this is what we're going to focus on. Let's hop right into the lesson." They wanted us to have like an opener. So like kind of like, hey, what's your favorite um, comic book or what, hmm. which which of the do you like the Marvel movies? Which Marvel movie is the best? And right. let's talk about that for four to five minutes. And as a sort of like check in with the students okay. and get them like talking about something that maybe is a little more comfortable to them. So that was a big shift that they wanted us to incorporate this SEL into each lesson. The other thing was, even though we've been using um, this computer system, Schoology, like a Blackboard type system where we post assignments and we post lesson folders and students submit their assignments, even though we've been using this for years, I realized like my whole curriculum was not completely like digitalized or Mm -hmm. digitized, whichever the word is. So yeah, so I realized I had to... There was a lot of work and legwork going into making sure that the lessons were all put onto this Blackboard Mm -hmm. format and making sure that we put it on in a certain format. Like they gave a lot of like guidelines. So it would be like every lesson had to have your goals or objectives, which Mm -hmm. you normally have anyway, or like an agenda. And then it had to have like a think about it, like a discussion board type thing. It had to have a learn about it, a try it, and then a show what you know. Okay. Like a little assessment. Right. So there was a lot of time. I'm sure teachers were spending a lot of time reformatting their lessons to fit into this new format. And then to digitize right. them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, talk to us about just the, like, the student's reaction to, to shifting from, 
you know, I mean, I would I imagine at least from my I remember my school, you know, school is as much about social interaction with your peers as it is about education. So you take that element out. How yeah. you know, how how would you say the students reacted to the virtual learning experience? Um, it was a mixed bag. I mean, overall, the thing that I can say about this past year is very isolating for mm-hmm. everyone involved, because normally. I take pride in the fact that I learn my students' names quickly right. like in the first couple of weeks. And then when you're seeing them come into the classroom, you learn things about them. So it's like, oh, hey, I see you're wearing a basketball uniform. Oh, you're a basketball player. Like I can engage students on topics of interest to them just based on seeing them walk into my classroom, you know, wearing their uniform. And you don't see the students when you teach virtually. Like they never turn on their cameras. Unless you really, really, for, unless you take that it's SEL true. time. No, no really. you don't. Yeah. They yeah. never turn on their That's cameras. Funny. So as a teacher, you're just staring out to a black void. Like, for example, like I pride myself on being like somewhat funny. And I try to like throw a little humor <laughs> <Doubtful>. in. <laughs> um, but I only found out from another teacher. Like I was talking with another teacher about a student and then the other teacher was like, oh, yeah, that student talks to me about you all the time and says how funny you are. It's like, I only, that's the only way I knew that that right. student thought I was funny because they don't express that kind of yeah. stuff directly to you as a teacher. So it's very, it's very weird. It's, it's a very weird experience. Um, now you asked from the perspective of the students, right. I think some students are thriving in this. Like right. some students have, there's a lot of anxiety issues nowadays and these students are coming in with like, oh, I'm really anxious. Like I've had students when I ask them to present their PowerPoints, we do some research projects on like an engineering career. Right. They're like, I don't feel comfortable presenting this in front of the class. Are you saying like this is <clears throat> in general pre-COVID? Yeah, yeah. In general, I, I'm seeing is? anxiety rise. Do, do you remember like, and I'm not being funny. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to take this as me being funny. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't particularly remember when I was in grade school having those feelings or noticing those feelings amongst other people why do you think i'm trying to tread very lightly here i can tell <laughs> why you're doing do you great think that we see that so much now do you think that we just recognize it and acknowledge it more do you think that there is something else happening why do you think we have so are much you happiness? asking me i'm looking around and I'm, <laughs> trying I'm looking to see you to make sure i'm not getting in trouble but i'm really <laughs> asking Andrew. like why do you think we have so much more anxiety amongst our young students nowadays or I think, am i wrong is, is i think that that's not an true? appropriate question okay yeah do you have an answer mark no he doesn't have an answer he's not our podcast guest. Okay. it's for you <laughs> i have opinions but i'm not allowed to share them yeah. okay no problem yeah uh well, you know, again, I'm not like a mental health professional, so it's just my opinion here. But uh, what I'm seeing is a shift in the way students interact. And this kind of feeds back into your original question mm-hmm. about how are these kids handling. Some of them are doing great online because a lot of their life was already online before this. You know, like they're on Snapchat or they're on TikTok. They're interacting with, you know, I remember I had a girl who would like likes to sing, likes Billie Eilish, and right. she was like interacting with Billie Eilish online and yeah. like posting videos of her singing Billie Eilish's songs. Right. So like there's very much an, an online lifestyle now, you know, and 
I try to have basic conversations in my computer science class about, well, there are limits to what you can do online, right? Like you can't solve racism online, maybe. I'm, I'm a little old school, you know? Yeah. I grew up in the, as the kids say, the 1900s. They literally <laughs> said that to me. I grew up in the 1900s. So I have a different idea of societal interactions. Like I don't think you could find a, a meaningful relationship online only. Right. Like at some point you have to, and I've done the online dating, you have to meet someone and see if there's like actual chemistry and compatibility right. IRL, right? In real yeah. life. So, but these students disagree. They disagree with me. You right. know, it's all, yeah, it's all online. So some of them are really like flourishing. Right. Some of them who didn't felt like pressure or were uncomfortable in like the school environment for whatever reason, they're doing well online. Right. But some of them are really lacking that interaction. That's it? Yeah, I think okay. so. Cool. That was a weird place to end, wasn't it? Like, I thought we were going to keep know. going. English is not his first language. That's true. <laughs> um, so that kind of segues, I mean, <clears throat> into all this. So, you know, the school year ended. You had the summer break, like typical. We, we all know, like, you started the school year back in the virtual learning. I don't want to keep talking about that. I, I think we all kind of know what happened. Now you're back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed, again, like not trying to turn this into a political conversation, but it seemed that people were either, if you were a parent or you're a teacher, and I'm trying to take myself out of this because I'll let you two talk about this more because my kids have been in school pretty much the whole time. Mm-hmm. But like you were either for going against it or you were you were not for it. People had many reasons why, like what, you know, tell, talk to me about the, the sort of stress surrounding going back. Like what, what were your thoughts? And was I personally for going back? I don't, you don't have to tell me like, you know, I don't want you to get, you know, expose anything, but I just want to know, you know, your thoughts surrounding it, you know. Well, I personally was for going right. back, but I got vaccinated pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, um, so I wanted and I was kind of sick. I have a relatively small home. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Quincy. And so. <laughs> well, he could he could resell it now for a lot of money. That's true. I actually tried to pitch him on buying my house yesterday, <laughs> but he wouldn't go for it. So and I was um, kind of sick of yeah. sharing space with my wife, who's a, a professor at a local university right. and also teaching from home. So I was really pumped about returning uh, with a caveat of, well, is the school system going to dedicate resources to ensure we're all safe? Right. Which was my main kind of fear at the beginning of all this is like, we're, I keep going into school. I don't see any like cleaning protocols right. being instituted. I don't see, you know, sanitizer everywhere. I don't see certain things being emphasized, which I felt like needed to be in order to keep us safe. Do you think they, that they are doing a decent job now? Is everybody back? I mean, it's yeah. been a week or two, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Good. it was only, now, I've only been back, I'm on spring break now. Literally, last week was the first week I welcomed right. students back, and it was only the ninth graders. Right. So we had a week off there to, like, prep our room because no one had done anything with their room since the beginning of the school year. Like right. they, the rooms weren't ready for students. So we had some time to prep our room. They also, it's like another transition because sure. we went from normal learning to virtual learning to now what they're calling hybrid learning. Okay. So now it's like, okay, well, your lessons, and so there are more model lessons being rolled out to us. Watch this. Get an idea. Right. Because now you're in class, and I'm engaging the students who are in the classroom in a normal way. Like, mm-hmm. I'll stop. I'll, I'll ask a question, right? I'm like, Why, what's the dead load on this in you know, civil engineering class? 
And then I'll say, the students in class, I'm going to just have a conversation, discussion with. If you're at home, post to the chat. And then I might assign a student at home to be a chat monitor gotcha. to like kind of tell me what's going on in the chat. So now it's like a little bit of like here and there and right. like trying nice. to get the feel of that. Interesting. Mark, what well, I mean, do you yeah. think from a parent's perspective about going back? So, again, my, my daughter's younger than what it sounds like you're, you're teaching. Um, I remember they sent out a survey early on. And my wife's a, a mental health therapist, so she got vaccinated early. But our we were sort of going back and forth. We right. we didn't have a clear. We wanted her to go back because, well, one having her at home all the time, severely limits how much real work that right. we can do since my wife and I both work. But two, like we understand the social interaction and everything, and and while, you know, my daughter is doing well. She, it's not the same. Like she's definitely struggling and she has her moments where she's like, this sucks. You know, like I'm not doing this. Um, so we were going back and forth now that we're both vaccinated and like listening to the science and seeing that there are safety protocols that you can put in place and, and the infection rate in schools has relatively been low. Like we wrote back to that survey. Yes. Cause I think they sent out the survey twice. The first time, I think we were okay with a hybrid. The second time, we're like, yes, we're okay with now full in person. And But they're doing hybrid. She's going in two days a week. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, what's, what's a hybrid system look like? So, it's like they're split into cohorts. Okay. So, on Monday, the cohort A uh, comes in Monday, Tuesday, and the rest of the week, they're at home, so they're still virtual. Okay. Cohort B comes in Thursday, Friday, and the rest of the week, they're at home virtual. And cohort C are the students that either chose to stay home or their parents just – there was like a form that yeah. they had to fill out in order to bring them back. And so a lot of people don't bother to fill out the form. And so those students just stay virtual. Do all your lessons run concurrently? So like could, <clears throat> like if somebody was in cohort, I don't know, B, but they miss a day, can they can they log on virtually and still have the same thing, like the same experience? They were cohort B, but they missed Like I know like day. in our school, like um, there are a couple kids who go virtual, but our school made it very clear. Virtual is not there because like, oh, we want to, you know, we want to go knock off for a two-week vacation. And, like, okay, so we're in this place for two weeks. Our kid's just going to learn virtual. They're like, that's not why virtual school's there. Um, so, like, we don't, you know, we can't do that. But for this virtual model, like, you're not, you don't have a separate lesson plan, as you just described, just for virtual learners, right? Okay. No, right. no. Yeah. I'm still, I have, like, you know, that same kind of format of, like, right. objectives, think about gotcha. it, try it, learn it kind of thing. Nice. Um, yeah, and if, if they miss a day, then usually it's the same as if they miss a day anytime. Right. We have, well, Wednesdays are async days, so okay. we can actually meet with them and do what's called coach class, which okay. is like office hours. So if they miss a day, they can either stay after class and talk with me or, you know, part of each lesson, they're supposed to be async. That's mm -hmm. another new term that's being used yeah. so much in education this year. You know, um, so there's always async work where it's like I present something, do some examples, and I'm like, all right, you complete the rest of these problems and I'll just mute myself, right. but I'll be here. And at that point, if a student needed some extra support on anything, we could always create like another uh, chat room to right. meet in and just do like a little one-on-one -on -one time. That's where I will say and that in our house, that's where my daughter is thriving in the, she likes, she learns through teaching. So being virtual and just having like a talking head speak to her Sometimes it's overhead. Sometimes she's not paying attention. But when she can meet with her teacher one-on-one, -on -one, 
and teach the lesson back. That's really where we're starting to see. So the asynchronous days and our, our te her teacher's great. Like she'll stay after on Fridays specifically to meet with our daughter and, and, and just make sure she's on par. Cause she knows that I'm sure certain kids are having a hard time just focusing. Um, but that asynchronous learning is really where she's been, which I think is a great thing. And I hope they keep, as we come back to some sort of normal, and I'm sure we'll eventually be back to class five days right. a week in person, mm -hmm. having something like that, like the traditional office hours yeah. has been really helpful for us. Yeah. Usually, usually we do that after school mm -hmm. in normal times. Yeah. Like I would still have coach class. I'd just okay. say, hey, come to my room after school. Make sure you get a ride home. Nice. Yeah. I mean, how do you think your like, how do you think your student performance is doing in general? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess this kind of speaks to what's being reported in the media of like all this right. failure a year. Oh, more kids are failing than ever before. I haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, I taught the same course, Intro to Engineering Design, three sections of it in the fall. Mm -hmm. And the other big change this year is that we switched from like an all year long where I'm teaching six classes on like an A day, B day. So I would only see the same students every other day, but I'd see them the whole year to we switched to the semester model. So I had like all of a sudden I'm teaching the entire course from September to the end of January, which mm -hmm. is very different time management wise. Mm -hmm. But uh, those courses, I have great students, but to be honest, I don't know if that has as much to do with like the really high performance that I saw in the fall. I credit some of that to the change in the demographics of the course I'm teaching. Because when I first started teaching this intro to engineering design, there were many more male students in it than mm -hmm. female. But that's like been a push to get more um, girls involved in STEM. So as we've added more female students in, I find that like personally, and this is just my own right. personal opinion, anecdotal evidence, but I find that they perform really well. Like they're just really good students. When you um, say fall, you mean last fall? fall yeah, this was fall of 2020. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Um, I mean, that's interesting. So, I mean, you don't think that uh, because of, like, the, the virtual environment, uh, you know, you don't think – and this also – I'm assuming some of this might be different in maybe some of the more core subjects, English, math, things like that. Um, you don't think there are more students falling behind? I think that – it does exacerbate students who would have been falling behind before. Right. So I teach this Foundations of Computer Science class, mm -hmm. and that is a lot. There are a lot of students in there that have no interest in computer science, right. but you know, Maryland State Department of Ed has determined that everyone needs to take at least one tech ed credit to get a high school diploma now. So because of that, you have a lot of students who are forced to choose, and they choose computer science, and it's a lot of just sitting and coding yeah. right. and they're not into that. And so those students who are in a class that they have really no interest in doing and they've been forced to take, yeah, they're, they're falling behind and they are difficult to, it's very difficult to reach them. It's very difficult to try to like reel them back in and re-engage them when all I'm seeing is like a blank screen with like a, you know, like a bunch of black squares. Yeah. And you don't know if they're there, their mic is muted. There's no feedback. Well, a lot of times I know they're not there because yeah. I go right. through and I do roll, like they appear and then right. I do roll and then I'll be like, I'll stop mid, mid period and say, Oh, let me check in on some students. And I'll specifically call out some students like radio silence. Yeah. Interesting. And are you saying that those students, typically would have been falling behind anyway yeah but it would have been yes i think so okay 
I think that I think it just exacerbates. It's harder for me to reach them. Like Got at you. least when they're in the classroom, okay, all right. and and all that other stuff that I was saying about building relationships, mm-hmm. which is really a big part of teaching. Yeah. Like if I could build those relationships in person in the classroom, then I could always joke around with them and get them to do some work. Right. But if they're just at home and they decide like I don't care, I don't know why I'm in this class. Like they don't. You know, I, or I could pull them aside in the classroom and have a private conversation and say, look, you just need to like do this amount to pass this to get your tech ed credit for graduation. But it's harder to have those kinds of conversations with someone who really doesn't want to engage right. at all um, in the virtual. So, are, I mean, are you are you grading any differently this year? Um, like, is there any curve apply? Is there a COVID curve for any of this stuff? Well, in the school system that I work for, they, they kind of are trying to have the lowest grade be like LS, which is low score, and that's okay. 50%. Gotcha. So you can't really go much under 50%. Sure. So, but that was even before COVID yeah, started. Yeah. So, but that's a huge curve. Right. So, I mean, you really only have to do a limited <laughs> amount of work. 25% right, yeah. better. To get yeah. from 50 to 60 and pass a course. Gotcha. Um, we've talked, so we've talked about the talked about this before going back to what you were just saying so you know when you have a body of students that range from all different demographics right you know, social economic the way the family households are set up um you know ethnic race all these different things like how i mean in your just personal opinion i know you're not an expert on this like how do you overcome this going into let's assume by next year we're all back to normal like how are we going to fill in the gaps for these kids like the kid, How do we you know, overcome what? Well, you're you saying know, like with if diversity. You have a child that is, you know, socioeconomic speaking, you know, single parent, low wage earning, which I'm not, I'm not classifying that as automatically they're going to fall behind, but historically speaking, they're probably the most at risk, you know, versus, I mean, you know, this as a teacher, you mm-hmm. can have in the same school district, a set of children that fall into that category and a set of children who, you know, are nearing the top 1% of earners in the country, you know? Mm-hmm. But how do we take that the more at risk population of students? How are we gonna how are we gonna help them in the years to come? Okay. So talking specifically about like low SES or students who are at risk of falling behind, and yeah, we're I saying don't... we're saying that they've fallen behind this year. I mean, I don't. So again, how do you how do we make up that gap? Yes, I'm making um, some assumptions, which I don't want to make, but I think throughout education, it's just, it is, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, there's a more at-risk population that, that tends to suffer in general. Um, and I can only imagine this exacerbates it. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, luckily it's not really in my wheelhouse to solve that I know problem, not, but, but how uh, would you? Summer school? <laughs> Sorry. But Sorry like, to give a glib yeah, answer, yeah. but like something no, like, I'm saying, like, would you go to year round school? I've been, I'm a proponent uh, year round school. I wouldn't. I think it's a great no. idea. I know you wouldn't. I think they would lose, like I think vacations. they would lose a lot of teachers if they went year round, I mean, if they went year round and there wasn't a commensurate bump in income, you know, where about, they actually look at a commensurate bump in time off. What do you mean? Like instead of, like so instead s- of having the summer holiday, like having maybe like a one month winter break mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I know some school systems that go year round. It's like, you know, you go for a certain amount of time and you have two weeks off another certain amount of time, two weeks off and you have a month. Break. And like, when you look at it, you boil it down. You're like, Oh, you actually have more time off than you did before. But the education is year round. So you don't, you know, yeah, you, I mean, you, I guess I would consider that. Right. I mean, a lot of things that have stopped year round in the past is just 
crumbling infrastructure in a lot of schools. I mean, if you're going to go through the summer, then schools need to be air conditioned. And we're in the 21st century, and there are a lot of schools that are not air conditioned. Right. Yeah. So that's a resources thing. Right. You got to get the money. You have to update your buildings. Right. You know, and that money comes from taxes. In order to get that money, you got to raise taxes. That is not a, a very popular thing to do. Right. So I kind of feel like if the resources are there and if mm-hmm. people commit to that and they're willing to put the money into it, anything's possible. Right. So I just kind of want to piggyback on your, your question. As, as students are coming back, I would expect after the summer, you get a bit of a lapse where you're like relearning things that you learned the year prior. I know you've only been back a week and then we're on spring break now. Do you feel like that transition, is there one? Or because we're it's not a summer break you've been learning all year, has there been a period where you have to go back and just make sure they paid attention since September? So are you talking about the transition now after spring yeah, break so coming back, back? Well, so I'm trying to remember now because everything's kind of a blur. I remember ending the year 20... This year's been all virtual. Is that right? I'm trying to... Yes. Okay. Up till now. Yes. So, and I know that sounds crazy me asking, but it's... It's a whirlwind. So mm-hmm. after a summer vacation, the kids aren't learning for three months or they're not continuing their, at the pace. You have to sort of reteach or catch them up again and just make sure their brains are ready to learn for the next year. We've been online this whole year. Kids are starting to come back now in person. Do you feel like you there's that transition period where you have to sort of recode their Oh, as if we came back brain? from summer break? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. the, are they looking at this as starting school now? Um. Well, I did do a bunch of like first day type activities when they came in and some of them were like, this is kind of, and I even addressed it. I'm like, this is normally something I do on the first day of school, but it was kind of like an icebreaker. And you know, that again, our guidelines are given to teachers a Mm -hmm. lot. You know, we don't have as much freedom always. It depends which school you're at, I'm sure, but, and your administrators, then the type of administrators you have. But, you know, there were guidelines about hey, do a little icebreaker activity. So in that way, it was similar to coming back. But we started, both my classes were doing like research projects. So in the computer science class, they were making a choose your own adventure story using HTML and CSS. So do you remember those books where like you're reading and then you can flip to yeah, different? Yeah. Okay. Well, they're making one of those just all web pages. And so we started that project in weeks prior, and then basically it like went into a nice seamless like, oh, okay, we're back in school, but you're finishing up your choose your own adventure. Okay. And then it's like Thursday was like, okay, now we're going to read each other's choose your own adventure and give some feedback on a discussion board. And in the other class, we were doing engineering careers uh, research project. So they had to work on their PowerPoints earlier in the week, and then they presented at the end of the week. Nice. So it was... It was pretty seamless. Yeah, it sounds like that. That's pretty cool. But that, it, that has to do with what I teach a lot of and, and the way I plan. Yeah. That's the one thing, and maybe cynically I'll admit, but, you know, we, my daughter's grade goes back next week so to Baltimore County. So when she goes back, I'm just worried, okay, she'll, she'll be there for th- two weeks and then we'll start learning and then up oh, summer vacation again. You know, like it... it I don't want to waste everything for the year, but it's nice hearing you say that, you know, they're thinking about this, they're prepared for it. And maybe it is subject specific, uh, more than like the general ed that the younger kids are getting, but something that we're thinking about as, as parents of public school kids is like when they go back, is this going to be 
just a holding pattern until summer vacation. And then all of a sudden you're in the next grade, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, what do you think like the long-term effects of like COVID on the education system is going to be? Do you think there will be any? Um, there could be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, on, I man. think if, if I, t- I mean, I could hypothesize here and I could give I'm you like for. a George Orwell 1984 vision. I mean, it could be that I know that public school systems and I'm sure researchers at universities who focus on education since my wife's one, I know they're worried about the health of the public school system because a lot of people have transitioned to homeschooling over this period and maybe they'll make the decision to continue homeschooling. And the whole model of the public school system is based on per pupil funding, right? So there's a number and that's what the budget is. And if less students tax the system a little less, Less students would also be less money coming yeah, in and less resources. Every, nobody's going to argue the public school system is overfunded. No. Okay. But but if you have less students, then you're not going to have the budget you need to hire more yeah. teachers right. to make smaller classes. Right? Sure. I see what you're saying. So I get that, like the average size the class size goes down to like 24 from 29. You think they would reduce the number of teachers in the public school system? I think if you have less pupils, yeah, I mean, hmm. that's going to mean less teachers. And so that could be a long-term right. effect that people that now are getting their education, maybe they said they were thinking about private school, and then they said, well, this is a good time to check it out and try private school because they're still in person. They might stick with it and not come right. back, back to the public schools or homeschool. They'll stick with that. So that could be an effect. Um, another big effect is going to be on the, t- the teachers themselves because I have spoken, I have friends who are teachers in Georgia. You know, my friend Kinte's an art teacher. Right. And then I know that another girl that we grew up with in New Jersey, she's teaching in Florida. And so I like talk to them. And I know there are teachers deciding not to go back in person and deciding that they want to just either resign or retire. Right. And so there's going to be a, there could be a crisis due to teacher shortage, you know, moving forward, because I don't know, I don't know what the numbers are coming out of colleges with like teacher preparation, um, schools, like, like, I don't know how many teachers Towson university is graduating every year. So I would have to know that in order to make this statement really. But it seems to me as someone who's been inside. And if you look at the research around schools, teacher retention, or another way of looking at teacher attrition is really high. Like on average, most teachers stay in the field of education three to five years. Hmm. So think about that. I mean, like a kid comes into ninth grade, by the time 12th grade comes, already like we've lost probably 20 teachers over the four years when, you know, that student was just in high school. It makes, it's hard for, it, it puts a stress on the system, right? I mean, stability is a key and having good, highly qualified teachers who stick it out and want to stay and remain in the profession is better for everybody. Right. Interesting. So that could be a long-term problem. Do you have any insight into how college acceptance is going to have to change? I mean, I'm assuming the juniors and seniors who lived through this, their college admissions process was completely different than what they thought it was going to be. Is that, do you, do you see that remaining an issue or are we going back to SAT and ACT and the standard yeah, uh, that's a good question. And again, I'm not really an expert on this, but what I do hear is that schools are transitioning away, 
even before COVID came that schools, uh, universities, by schools I mean universities and colleges, right. are transitioning away from focusing on SAT and ACT as much. I mean, if you think about it, and this is maybe my kind of jaded opinion, but it's big business now, universities, yeah. and student loans is a big thing, and there are all these companies that are making money off of people going to school, and if someone wants to take out ninety to $120,000 to get a bachelor's degree in fine art, then the school will happily take their money, and yeah. what does it care what their ACT or right. SAT is? Sure. I mean, that. sorry, that, that yeah, might no, be a I little bit you. of a jaded right, view. Right, right, no, it makes yeah. sense. But right. in the end, it's like they want, that's their, their clientele now, right? right? They, they want to give the student loans out and right. let the kids pay whatever they're going to pay right. and take on a, however much debt they want. Right. Um, I think there, they are transitioning. What I'm hearing back to your original point is that they are transitioning away from those standardized testing. Uh, I don't know. I, I think GPA is still pretty important, especially at a lot of schools. Like if you look at the educational researchers and they're putting it out, I mean, it's still like if you want to go to a university of Maryland, there is a threshold of like yeah. GPA. There is a, a base threshold that they want you to students to score on in the SATs or the ACTs. Um, did I answer your question? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So they were, trending away from maybe what we all went through to get into school anyway. But going back to the theme I'm picking up in this is we were heading in a direction, but COVID really enhanced the speed at which we're getting there. Mm -hmm. So even though we were heading to um, maybe more person-centered application, right? Extracurriculars mm -hmm. versus like, you, you know, your school offers 15 APs, why'd you only take three? So mm -hmm. this just made it a little faster to get there to the end of the, the road. So, I, I mean, it, it's, it's exciting to see where we can go in education. And, and to be honest, like my wife and I, we've had some of these conversations that you were talking about. Our kids are early, early enough in her education process. Like, is this the best way forward? What, what do we do? Is private school an option? Is homeschooling an option? Mm -hmm. How is that going to affect which one of us has to not work as much? So, mm -hmm. These conversations are happening and it all revolves around the comfort level, I think, and how we feel the schools are prepared. And it mm -hmm. sounds like they're going in the right direction, which is nice to hear. Do you think that the public school system, I mean, obviously this is not, like you said before, this is not a problem that falls on your shoulders, but do you think that they're having conversations about the long-term effects of the students through this? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, I think there's been a lot of, I, I have to say that I'm happy with my public school systems and right. the level of communication that they've put out. If anything, there's been more, I get a phone call from them every night, almost sometimes it feels like, and I'm like, oh, they're calling again. And they just send out these robo right. calls. And sometimes, sometimes twice a night. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's the school system again. <laughs> so uh, they'll say, oh, just so you know, like spring athletic season is okay. starting up and or just so you know, in, if you want your student to return to in-person education, there's a form on this on our new hub. You know, um, I think that the communication has been good from from the public school system. Uh, what was your original question, though? I just I'm just uh, trying to see, like, gauge your. Uh, sort of like thoughts and, and feelings on what you think the I'm going to use the word administration like their discussions on the long-term effects of the students throughout like this whole COVID process no I think they're definitely yeah. like 
thinking about that. I mean, just in the guidelines to add more SEL into our lessons, to have more social emotional learning, to focus on like emotional, you know, intelligence type things. I think that is a reflection of the schools thinking about that. I mean, perhaps that's why they push to bring everyone back now. Because, you know, some some people are asking, well, there are only a couple months left. Right, why? Like the the data coming in is that we're doing better, and I definitely feel good about the increase in the rates of vaccination and how that's going up. But then the numbers are still just as high, if not higher, than they were at the time last year when they decided to shut down. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of questioning well why why now and maybe the schools are thinking well it's better not to wait till the summer and for a whole summer to go by and then try to like reintegrate everyone maybe this is like our test run of like let's just get back in for a couple months right and work out all the kinks in our systems you know like make sure that we 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 set up systems and then we run the systems and then see if there's anything over the summer that needs to be like redesigned a little bit can you I know you don't know this. Can you <laughs> hold anybody back this year? Like, uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is there any way to to objectively say, like, oh, you're not smart enough to move to the next that's grade? A, that's a good question. Like, how do you, like, is there an objective way during COVID to fail a student? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. You just get yeah. a stamp of approval. Like, right. you're, you're, right. go ahead. Mm-hmm. And we'll get all you right. next year. Like, are we all just trying to, like, like, cope and maintain, like, a certain status quo this year? Or are you out there, like, objectively of signing you know this person is accelerating this person is failing like are you able to do that this year is that even something that you want to do this year um so i agree with you that we're all just coping right and this is all uncharted waters so a lot of what we do and i say this to my students and you expressed earlier that your daughter is like this sucks sometimes and i say that to my student. i'm like look it's okay to feel that way like this does suck this is not normal we're all going through this together And I try to take, you know, having friends around the world, I try to take comfort in the knowledge that it's not just here, it's not just happening to us in this one geographic spot, but it's a global thing. So if you realize that this is happening to everyone all around the world, they're all dealing with the same problems, even the Austrian public school system, you know, in Vienna, Vienna public city schools, they don't, they don't, they're trying to figure out their methods. So, yes, we're all just trying to cope. Now, the question about are some students still accelerating and some behind, there are definitely students who are thriving and doing great. Like I have a student in my computer science class who's already been doing computer science on their own for three years, and that student comes in regularly and, like, teaches me something new along with all the other students. So students like that are just an asset, and they're, they that person has probably seen no, like, like they've seen continued growth. Right. They haven't. They haven't been held back. No at hiccup all. at all through COVID. There are students right. who I think are, are showing some major losses. Right. Um, are they going to be held back? Uh, again, that goes back to the policies of of the administrators and stuff. And my just an observation, in my opinion, is even before this, we weren't holding a lot of students back. Right. You know, it's kind of like, all right, let's get these students the credits that they need. Let's throw them into the classes freshman year. Like freshman year has been shown in research to be a very pivotal year, ninth grade. And so um, getting students to get as many of the credits as they need in high school in order to get like the diploma, which I think is like 21 credits that freshman year is a big thing. But I don't see a lot of it seems to me 
that if I think back on my high school experience and this one today, that in general, the kids are held to a lower standard hmm. than what I was. Right. Like even just like if I got a zero, a zero was a zero. Right. And there was no like redo opportunity. There was no like, well, this student comes to class regularly and they're paying attention and maybe they just perform poorly on that. So they get an LS, which is 50%. So, I mean, that would have really bumped my GPA yeah. nicely yeah, totally. if, yeah, if yeah, everything yeah. was a 50% instead right. of a zero. I mean, why? Like, what's, what is the, uh, what, what is the point of not, uh, we're, I mean, we're getting off what we originally started talking about. What is the point of not being able to assign a zero and uh, being able to assign a 50%? Uh, like, yeah, you know, I guess I'm looking at, like, if, I, if I'm hiring somebody yeah, and I'm basing it off of, of class scores, and I see somebody who has a score of 50% on average or a score of zero, to me, it's the same, right? Like, I, don't, I, I would like never... Like, that's failed. Yeah, yeah, like, I would never see... So, what, what's the point? Like, why, like why, why institute a policy like that? Well, I guess they're thinking that... And I don't, I don't know completely. Like, right, I just, and I know. I know. This just comes know down from like, above, and I quote, implement unquote, just it. just a teacher. I get that. So I know I'm asking um, but, right. Yeah, make sure you show that air quotes, because we don't want anybody thinking that like, he's... Just teachers, like they don't do anything. <laughs> teachers make the world go round. That was nice. That was a little PSA. That was, that was we'll put beautiful. like the more you know rainbow coming across there. You uh, the quote you know. hit Lamar. What's his name? Lamar Jackson. Is it Le- Lavar Burton? There yeah. we go. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is the quarterback. Of the I was mildly racist. Um, <laughs> you quote him a lot. <laughs> yeah. He's was pivotal on my. Uh, take education. a book. What? Take a look. It's in a book. It's Reading Rainbow. The Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. Reading. Reading Rainbow. You never saw Reading Rainbow? I did. Okay. I grew up on it. I just couldn't remember the dude's name. Okay. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Close enough. He's also playing right, football. Go. So the 50% <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know why they implemented that policy, but a lot of the, what I hear from the educational researchers Again, mostly my wife. Right. When I talk to her about this, should have just had his wife on the show. No, yeah, terrible you should have. Right. Should have, should have right. had her. Um, is <laughs> if you think about it, I mean, from a fifty to a hundred, right? That's ten percent intervals, okay. gaps. Mm-hmm. So if you fail, then from failing to a D is ten percent. If you if zero is the lowest, then mm-hmm. from a zero to a D is sixty percent. So I guess they're saying it's more equitable. I'm just giving you the argument that I've. But heard. that argument makes zero sense, though. Yeah. So you're saying they should reinstitute the zero? No, I'm not, it's not my problem to worry about. I, I okay. It's yeah. not his problem to worry about either. He's just a teacher. <laughs> I know, but he's issuing 50%. Air quotes. I'm trying, trying to figure out why. I'm Air just curious. Quotes. That's all. I'm just curious. What? Well, the answer why, why I'm doing all the kids <laughs> because nowadays. This is what I'm asking. The system <laughs> asks me to do it. You know, the system's yeah. like, this is where we're moving. Yeah. And, you know, equity is a big keyword. That's a word that we hear a lot. Yeah. Equity. No, I mean, do you, I, do you I hear about that? that? Yeah. You know, they talk about equity is, you know, giving people what they need mm-hmm. in order to reach. Maybe not everybody's going to reach the highest apple yeah. on the tree, but they want everyone to be able to reach an apple. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you had a school system representative here, not that I am one, they would probably say, well, it goes in, it falls in with our equity policies. I think that's what they would say. What are you trying to do, man? Nothing. I'm just <laughs> getting the giggles out, you know. <laughs> what do you feel about? I guess my question is, how how would you grade the public school system on you know just what they've done this year with with lessons and communication and all that? And then the follow up question to that would be, what's one thing 
that you would have liked or you would like the public school to do more of or what how could they do something well, better i'm gonna I, I would say you should ask my wife that question too so we should just have our wives talk. um <laughs> no she's just better at this than i am i i will say that we what why are you leaning in? I want to hear your answer. <laughs> Make me nervous. <laughs> Grinch back up, oh, man. Grinch? Yeah. A green? No, you smile like green the Grinch. <laughs> 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 <My> watch man. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> you already uh, got, I saw him switch over to the camera yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I will say that we are, we've been extremely lucky with the two teachers that my daughter has had throughout this. Mm-hmm. From second grade into third grade. I don't know that I can comment on the school system as a whole, mm-hmm. but our our two teachers have been amazing. Mm-hmm. They pivoted quickly. They are like just so curious about how their students are doing, and that really does come through. The again, it's a younger group of kids, so the person-centered stuff is probably easier than mm-hmm. 10th and 11th graders, but checking in and doing like a, a personalized greeting every day. How, how do you want to say hi today? And that just mm-hmm. gets them excited for learning. So our teachers have been awesome. The That's school great. system calls a lot. Yeah. I will say they could call less. Um, I don't care about the sports schedule. My kids ate. So, <laughs> but I don't think I'm qualified to talk about the school system in general. And I know I'm not trying to give a cop out answer, but it's really shown how lucky we've been to have two awesome teachers. Yeah. And I think that's really what we're most thankful for through this is because it's tough for the parents at home too. I'm not a teacher. So being able to send them an email, Mm -hmm. this is what's happening at home. How would you handle this? And, and a quick response with detailed, this is how, this is what I see. It's funny. I'm not seeing that in school, what you're describing at home. I'll pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. The communication between our teacher and the parent has been amazing. So, you know, having kids with a quality teacher, I think is the only reason why yep. we feel comfortable sending her back and knowing that she will be prepared for next year. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't have that, but I don't know what you would do. You can't fire a teacher cause they're not good at teaching virtually, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it's a tough situation that the school system's in. And I think we did try to give them a wide area of, um, like a wide berth. Yeah, exactly. But nice, I, nice boating term. It was nice. <laughs> I know I danced around your question. I, I, I can't, no, I can't answer for the school system, but for us, the one thing that we are very thankful for is the quality of the teachers that have been involved. I think that's important. The yeah. high-quality teacher, that's what they say makes the difference. Yeah. Even if you, your student has a bad teacher for one year, that doesn't. the research shows that doesn't necessarily affect them over the long term as long as the following year they have a good teacher. I definitely think a good teacher along the line can make a difference. Mm-hmm. A bad teacher might not be memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to, you know, they may not have zero effect on anything, but a good teacher can definitely change things. Oh, definitely. Um, I have one last question and we'll let you go. Sure. Um, I don't know if I've ever asked you this as long as I've known you. W- Tell me the the grade levels, like the range. You've taught all over the place, haven't you? Like in my whole your, life, your entire whole, teaching career. Yeah, grade I mean, range. 
I've taught, I like to say I've taught from the cradle to the grave because I've taught right. pretty much taught everyone. Adults, yeah. yeah, I taught, I, I used to teach adults that. when I was living in Hungary and teaching English as a foreign language. Well, you teach it here too, right? Didn't you teach? Oh yeah, I taught at, at CCBC. CCBC yeah. I've taught, I've been an adjunct at most of the local area at Howard what's, County um, Community College. What's been your favorite grade or range? I like this. I like what I'm doing now. You like this because of the subject? You like this because of the age range? Both. Really? I like, yeah, I like, I like ninth kids are to 12th horrible. graders. Uh, you'd be surprised. No, I used to be one. Uh. Yeah, I used to be one too. And <laughs> yes, they have their, you know, they have a tendency to, you know, not always stay within the realm of the truth. But <laughs> but for the most part, I'm actually pretty impressed with these students. The most eloquent, eloquent, eloquent really good. way you of should, calling somebody a liar. You should yeah. be a spokesperson yeah. for the school. Yeah. You've done a good job. Um, Thanks. I mean, we'll put I, it in your title that you I are have a to, spokesperson. Yeah. Thank you. Right. I have to say, like, I think that that is what keeps me doing it year after year yeah. is that I'm impressed by these students. And every year, some of them come in. It seems like more and more of them come in with more and more skills. Right. Like they're getting into their interests earlier. Mm -hmm. And because of it depends what the interest is, but right. they're able to explore it at a deeper level. Like a student that came in and it's coding this year who's already had three years of experience in like summer camps at JHU and coding and like this student has so much knowledge that by the time they go to college, they'll be like really ready for a comp sci degree if they choose to go that way. Right. And then they'll come out with a great career. Nice. Yeah. A guaranteed job. Cause that's one of the fields that mm -hmm. is, is skyrocketing. Yeah. Nice. All right, man. Thanks for coming in. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for it's your time. Been a nice conversation. I yeah. Enjoyed right. it. No, I think it learned a lot. Enjoy your spring break. My well. <laughs> See you. See you. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Fucking <laughs> 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 Mike Tyson. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. Check us out on searchbemore.com and subscribe to the podcast. And all future content yes. is available to you. Yes. If you subscribe. Perfect. Do it. Thank you. Good See job. You. Bye.